Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. You happy to be here this morning? Got a few people that are happy this morning. Brother Edward, that's what's up, man. I was worried. I was like, man, where's Brother Edward at? And then you came, you came in a little late, but it's all good. Hey, better late than never, right? Amen. Amen. Praise, praise God, man. It's, it's good to be here. It's good to be in the house of God. You know, it, it, it always, it always, the, the Sunday after Easter is like such an underdog, man. Uh, and it, it's actually said that, that the Sunday after Easter is, is the, the least most attended Sunday of the year because people have already gotten their they're fixed. They're Jesus fixed for the year. And um, so they're, they're, they're good. They got, they got a little too much Jesus last week. But praise God that you guys are here. Amen. Um, we had an awesome, awesome, amazing Sunday. I was, I was just blown away by, again, what God did. We had a total of, of 10 salvations. People saying yes to Jesus. And that's awesome. And if you are one of those people, uh, we want to, I just want to extend the invitation every quarter. We have an, a new believers class and, uh, we, it's a seven week class. We go through the, the fundamentals of what it is to be in the faith and, uh, we do it on Friday nights. And so you can, you can register for that, sign up for that. You can do it, um, with pastor Brandon Damaris, or you can go online, mynewmaturechurch.com.org and, and, and you can sign up there uh, because we're all about, you know, bringing people to Jesus and equip, uh, equipping people so that they can bring people to Jesus, right? That is, that is, that is what it is to be in the kingdom of God. You don't just come and, and, and be fed. You have to, you have to do some feeding as well. Amen. Um, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, but there's, there's, there's plenty of workers. You just got to work, you know, you just got to do the work. And, uh, so I praise God for, for last week and it, it was awesome. And this week, uh, I have a word for you this morning, um, from the, from the book of first Corinthians, the letter of first Corinthians chapter 12. You can, you can turn there in chapter 12. We're going to read a little bit, uh, 12 through 27, First Corinthians 12 through 27. Amen. And once again, if you don't see a, a familiar face this morning, reach out to them and say, hey, I missed you at church. There's a way to do it again. There's a way to do it without being like, hey, where were you? Right. Um, there's there's a loving way to, to do it. But, but let them know that you're thinking about somebody. Amen. You got it. First Corinthians 12. 12 through 27. If you got it, say, I got it. Amen. If you don't got it, I got it up here for you. And it says this very practical teaching from the apostle Paul. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and some of us are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not the hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, what would that make it any less, uh, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if you, if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. 
Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye, listen to somebody, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually, somebody say actually, the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require that special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts uh, that have less dignity. Verse 25 says this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, my God, that you have already spoken, my God. This word, my God, uh, that you gave the Apostle Paul to the church of Corinth, my God, uh, 2,000 years ago, my God. We know that it still has power today, my God, to convict and to change. And I pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit this morning be on my lips, Father God, and that our hearts may be receptive for what you have for your people. In Jesus' name, And the church said, amen. Amen. I want to do a little bit of teaching today, if that's cool. I preached last week. Uh, um, I want to I want to teach a little bit. And I've really been wanting to speak on this topic for a while now. I believe that it is very, very needed. And the reason that I hadn't done it yet, I mean, it's been on my heart for about two months. Um, The reason I hadn't done it yet was because I didn't know what scripture to use as my as my main portion of scripture. So for anybody who's ever interested in, in 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 like. The, the art of preaching, like homiletics, and um, th- they often teach you two main styles of preaching. So there's there's expository type of preaching, which takes you know a, a, a passage of scripture and you dive deep into it and you go, you dissect it and and uh, you know you, you just it's one main focus of, of scripture. And then there's a topical type of sermons, which take a topic that you may have in mind and and, and then you pull different scriptures uh, from different parts. Of, of the Bible. I am much more of a, uh, of an expository preacher. That's, that's, that's my style. Um, not one is better than the other, but that's just, that's just the way that, that I've learned how to do it. I go to the, the, the scripture and I study the scripture. And then from there I pull out uh, a message. Um, this was just kind of backwards for me because I had the message, but I didn't know where to go and how to, how to structure it. And so uh, it just didn't come natural. But uh, the, the topic that I want to speak on today is very important. It's worship. Worship. And I know Brother Angel, uh, he, he spoke on worship recently. Um, but it's, I mean, worship is, is, is fundamental to the Christian faith. It is, it is the way that we live as Christians. Worship is a lifestyle, right? It goes much more beyond uh, the moments it goes much more beyond the, the song that really just messes you up on a Sunday morning, right? It goes much more beyond that. The word that the Apostle Paul uses when he says, this is your worship in Romans 12, 1 and 2. The word that he uses means service. This is the way that you serve. Worship is the way that you devote yourself to God, not just an hour or two on a Sunday morning, but with your lifestyle. Now, 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 something that we need to realize that I believe that we often fail to realize is that people serve in different ways. And, and this passage really hits the nail on the head because in the body of Christ, you have hands 
for example, and, and, and sometimes the hands want everybody else to be the hands. You're the hands and you're like, why can't you be more handsy? Why can't you be more like me? Do it the way that I do it. And the eye's like, why can't you be more like the eye? I notice everything. Why can't you open up your eyes? And we, we cr- criticize the, the other members in the body of Christ because they are not like us. <clears throat> Paul is saying, stop thinking like that. Stop thinking that you're all that. In the body of Christ, we can't all serve God the same exact way. Paul wrote, just to give you a little bit of context, Paul wrote this letter to, to a church that was dealing with major division issues. They were, devi- they, they were divisive about everything. They disagreed in so many areas of faith and worship. And, and many, of, uh, many of the Christians in this time became judgmental of other Christians who didn't do things the same way that, that they did. And so Paul says this. He writes this to say, this is, think of a body. Think of a body. It's a perfect illustration. Think of a body has many parts, but it's one body. The body has many functions, but it's one body. Parts that come in different shapes and sizes and looks and abilities, but it's one same body. And this is really what I want you to understand today, that your worship, your worship may not look like my worship. And so I've entitled my message this morning, This is My Worship. This is my worship. And I wanted, I wanted to call it this because, you know, worship is something that is, that is very personal. It's intimate. That's the way that it should be. It's intimate. Worship is something between the worshiper and the subject of the worship. It's between you and God. That's it. Someone say, that's it. Okay, you say it, but I want to know if you believe it. Like, worship is between you and God. Jesus tells a Samaritan woman, he says, he says, you must worship in what? Spirit and in truth. You must, what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? It sounds great, Jesus. It sounds so philosophical. What, what the heck are you saying? You must worship in spirit and in truth. He prefaces that by first saying, God is spirit. Therefore, you must worship in spirit. So let's break that down. If God is spirit, it's not by our physical efforts that God is worshiped. Now, the physical will be seen. It will be affected. You will be, you will be able to see the fruit of, of, of your lifestyle. But it is from within that we worship God and we give him a meaningful worship. In other words, there is no physical ritual that can be considered spiritual worship. You can come to church physically, but you can be empty spiritually. You can, come, you can come to church physically and occupy a seat, but not pay attention to anything, not, not, not be receptive to the worship, not engage in the worship. You're just, you're just there physically, but you're not worshiping with your spirit. You can, you can study the scriptures with your eyes physically, but if you're not applying it to your heart and into your mind, you're not worshiping God spiritually. Paul says, Paul says, your spiritual worship is living sacrificially, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you in the views of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. That means that we have to trade what comes to us naturally for the things of God. That's what it means to worship. See, you and I, we're we're physical beings, right? 
We, we, we do everything physically. We, we, we socialize physically. We communicate physically. We hang out physically. We, we play physically. If, if, if you're married, there's another activity that you engage in physically, right? We're, we're, we're physical beings. We're emotional beings. Jesus says God is spirit. You have to figure out how to worship him with your spirit. And then he says truth. Now, what does this one mean? This one's actually puzzled some commentators for a while. There's two main views on it. I think both are true. Truth meaning that your worship has to be directed to the one who embodies all of truth. Anybody can worship in spirit. That's why there's so many religions around the world. And, and there's people that are committed to their, to their, to their religion. I mean, uh, you know, you got Muslims who three o'clock comes and, and everybody is, is facing towards Mecca and, 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 and adoration and they're praying. That's, I mean, that's, that's some commitment. There were, people are worshiping with their spirit, but, but it's directed at a false, false God. So that's one aspect, but more, but, but, but additional to that, your worship in truth, when you worship, your worship should be truthful, meaning it shouldn't be fake. Your worship shouldn't be fake. Your, your worship shouldn't be what you, what you think other people want to see. Worship God with your DNA. Don't try to adopt someone else's worship because it looks more intense than yours. That's not you. Be you in your worship. Because if you're not you in your worship, then you're not offering God yourself. Worship is between you and God. I want you, I want you to get that this morning. Worship is between you and God. And, and the reason I want to just you know, beat that dead horse this morning is because We've become accustomed to a culture that places others in between the worshiper and the subject of our worship. We have other people occupying the space in between us and God. And the reason I wanted to bring this message is because I know, and I've I've talked to them, I know there's been people here who have second-guessed their worship. You wonder if it's enough. And because you think it's not enough, you're like, what's, what's the point? I can't give, I can't worship God like sister so-and-so. I can't worship God like brother so-and-so. Because, because you're looking at the way that other people worship and, and, and you're feeling bad because it's not the same type of worship that you give to God. So for example, if, if the spirit of God has not gifted you with the gift of tongues, that is a gift distributed by the Holy Spirit. The word says he will distribute gifts as he sees fit. And if he has not gifted you with the, the gift of speaking in tongues, but you're in a room where everyone else is speaking in tongues, now you feel ashamed of your worship. And you want to get out of there. Because man, these people make me feel like heathens, and they're not even doing anything. They're simply worshiping God in the way that God has equipped them to worship. Or you may have a beautiful prayer life. And every morning you wake up and, and, and you spend time with God and you pray for your family, you pray over your household, you, you pray for your church, you pray for everything. But then, then you come to church and your prayer is not as loud as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And you think, man, my prayer must not be as authoritative because it's not as loud. I'm one of those people that prays loud. <laughs> That's just because I've learned how to do it. When the music's going, I got to make sure y'all hear me when I'm praying. But, but th- this is what I'm saying. We, we, put, we put people in between what is supposed to be something intimate between you and God. 
And as long as you're worshiping God and in, in spirit and in truth, you're doing exactly what Jesus said we must do. And I want to tell you this morning that, that your worship, it might not look like my worship. And, and it's not supposed to. It's my worship. My worship is between me and God. If, if your worship is different, again, as long as it's done in spirit and in truth, you're doing it, you're doing it right. We've become a culture that, that puts worship in a box. We put worship in a box. And if you've been in church all your life like I have, you don't, sometimes you don't realize it because it's just, it's, just, it's just a matter of fact to you. But we have allowed the culture to tell us what worship is. We, we put it in the box. And so you have all these different denominations who worship God differently. There's nothing wrong with worshiping God differently. There, there's, there's churches who worship God with, with hymnals. There's, there's, there's churches who worship God who, who don't allow drums in their sanctuary. There's, there's churches. Um, actually, we went to, to India a few years ago. And, and, and they don't have any seating in their churches. Because in their churches, you're supposed to kneel. In those churches, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to take off your shoes. And if I was to bring a chair in there, and if I were to walk in there with my, my shoes, I would be disrespecting the culture of their worship. There's churches that, that worship with, with lights and, and big sound and ten guitars and all that stuff. And If your worship is done in spirit and in truth, there's nothing necessarily wrong with these styles of worship. What is, what is wrong is when the church begins to judge other people's worship. As if it's something that has to be approved by people. Now, we're Pentecostals. You, you know we get judged for the way we worship. Come on. You know, we, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm the pastor of the church, and so I, I, I know, I hear about it. Some people are like, well, it's a little, a little too much, pastor. Um, we're judged. We're judged by the way that we worship. But you know what? Pentecostals also judge the Baptists. Because of what we would perceive as their non-worship. <laughs> oh, they don't have altar calls. If there are no tears, no speaking in tongues. Man, I, I've, I've talked to so many Pentecostals who actually think Baptists aren't real Christians, man. Lord help us. <laughs> and, and, and let me tell you something. that th This judgment of worship, it affects the everyday believer. It absolutely affects the newer believers who feel like they can't keep up because their worship is not as extravagant. And so, so we need to have a better understanding of what true worship is. Because if all you have is a very Sunday morning view on worship, we're always just going to associate it with the songs that we sing. And we're going to start to see songs as more holy than another. We're, we're going to associate it with, 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 with the prayer time, with the altar time, the clothes that we wear at church. And if you're, if you're not suited up, you're not as holy as a person who is not suited up. We're, we're going to associate it with a very, in a very cultural way, but worship is so much more than that. Worship is the way that you serve God. And I may not understand it. I may not understand the way that you choose to serve God. It might not be the way that I choose to serve God. The way that you worship God may be with, well, you know, Sister Evie, she comes in and she, she does her, her dances and, and Sister Legna and, 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 and uh, you know, the, the kids uh, last week, they were, you know, they were with Elida, they were 
doing their dances. And that's not something I would do. Y'all don't want to see me dance for, G- for Jesus like that. Y'all want, y'all want to see it? <laughs> but people have different ways in which they worship. The way that, I'm, that, the way that I worship God when I'm at home, it's, it's right there in my alone time on my piano. And I, I'm, just, I'm just singing praises to God. That is the way that I, I, I love to get down that way. I love to worship God that way. However God has called you to worship him, to serve him, do it. Stop thinking about what other people are going to say about your worship. You're putting other people in between your worship. There's this time in the Bible where uh, David, King David, you know where I'm going? He's dancing in the presence of God. He's dancing in the presence of God. It's 2 Samuel chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. I want to read it. It says, David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. And so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Verse 20 says, when David returned home to bless his family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And and she said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David reported to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father. Man, he's so gangster. (laughs) Your father got kicked out. He got fired, right? He chose me above your father and your family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, uh, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. David, David David was telling her, I wasn't worshiping you. I wasn't trying to impress you with my dance moves. This was between me and my God. God loves my dance moves. He tells me. He's so proud of them. This is my worship. But how many times do we we look at people the way that Michael looked at David? What is she doing? Why is she dancing? Why is he singing? That boy can't sing. The church, man, is the, the church has become very judgmental in the way that other people serve God. I've been judgmental myself before, man. I mean, I, sometimes, sometimes I'll ask somebody to preach, and and you know what they'll tell me? They'll tell me, "I need like four to six weeks to prepare." And my first reaction is like, "Dang, you need that long?" And and I find myself being critical. Of, of the best that they want to bring to God through their preparation. Some people need a little bit more time. And if I make them feel bad because of the amount of time that they want to take to prepare a message, I have not edified the body. I've discouraged it. One, thing, one of the things that I've learned as a, as a pastor is, is, is that you have, to, you have to learn how to deal with all sorts, sorts of people. You have to learn how to work with all sorts of people. And you have to, I mean, you have to do that whether you're a pastor or not. But in a ministry, you see many people who are, who are different. And in our ministry, we have people that are different. You have people who are um, 
I'll just give two extremes. You have people who are super analytical, critical about things. Um, you know, they, 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 they like to make sure that all the details are ironed out and, and, and prepared for right in advance. Anybody like that? That's me. That's me. And then you have the other people who are like, you know what? YOLO. We'll figure it out. <laughs> two, two extremes, right? We're like, hey, we have to have a meeting. We have to have another meeting. We have to have three, we have to have three meetings. We got to iron out all the details. And the other person's like, you know what? We'll just, we'll wing it. We'll figure it out. And we have, we have, those, we have those types of people at our church. And, and so, so as a pastor, I'm like, okay, well, how do we incorporate all of this into, into the way that we work as a church? And, you know, when this happens, just, just to give you an example, this doesn't happen at our church, okay? I'm just giving you an idea of what can potentially happen. What can potentially happen is the super analytical person judges the go with the flow person because, we, hey, we need to be organized. We need to be prepared, to them, organization and preparation is doing things with, with excellence. So in their minds, the go-with-the-flow person is not giving God their best worship to God. Now, the go-with-the-flow person is judging the well-prepped person because, hey, if you're too prepared, where does that leave the room for Holy Spirit? <laughs> so what I've learned is, not that I have experience from the church, but what I've learned is that you need to allow each person to present their best worship to God. Maybe you operate better YOLO. I don't. I need to be prepared. But I can, I can respect the way that you worship God. I can respect the, 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 the best that you present to God. I think, I think that's the culture that we need to change, man. Or we're always just so judgmental because, hey, I'm the hand. You have to do things like the hand. Or I'm the foot. You have to do things like the foot. No, no, no. We're different parts of the body. We're, we have different functions. We do things differently. Can we serve the same God together even though we're different parts of the body? Even though we, we don't work the exact same way? Can we just figure out how to work together for the greater good that is the kingdom of God? <clears throat> There's got to be Grace. There's got to be grace on both sides and understand that no one's worship is diminished just because it doesn't look like yours. Paul begins the section by saying some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. What he's doing, he's, he's calling attention to the stark contrast of people that exist in the body of Christ. Some of us are different. We're different in culture. We're different in, in, in background and in the way that we were raised. Some of us show respect differently. You and I don't think it's disrespectful to come in the church with shoes on. In India, they would. We show respect in different ways. Some of us, some of us have money. Some of us barely scrape by. Some of us give more with our money. Some of us give more with our time. Some of us are introverts, me. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us prefer the hymnals. Some of us like the more edgy stuff. But we're all part of the same spirit. And we have to stop tailoring our worship and our devotion to the approval of man. Because man didn't die for you on the cross. Son of man died for you on the cross, but not just any man. Man is not worthy 
of our worship. Only God is. And, and I know that the church has conditioned us to think that, that loud worship is the only kind of worship. I'm a Pentecostal pastor, okay? I know I get up here and sometimes, you know, we, we, we demand excitement. We demand, we, we demand a, a pep rally type of worship and like, come on, let me hear you. Come on, you don't love Jesus if you're not screaming hallelujah. And you're sitting there, you're like, man, I do love Jesus with all my heart, soul, and strength and mind. I just don't like to shout very much. <laughs> is, is my love for Jesus really uh, just, just boils down to whether I can shout or not? Now, if you shout at like sporting games and you don't shout at church, that's, that's questionable. <laughs> okay, come on. Some of y'all go wild at those at those sporting games and at church, someone else. Got to worship God with who you are. God has, God has given you a very unique DNA. He didn't make us all the same. And so many times we want to change because we look at somebody else and we're like, God, I, I want to be that. And God's like, well, what about what I gave you? How about how I made you? We have to stop putting people in between our worship. We need to stop asking that question. And, and this, this is, I, I believe, you may not be saying a lot of amens this morning, but I believe this is extremely relevant. We have to stop looking at ourselves and looking at our worship and stop asking the question, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? Now, look. Orderly worship is also spoken about by the Apostle Paul, and you can't be distracting the entire congregation, right? That, that, is, that, is, that is also true, but that's not today's message. What I'm simply saying today is, is that you shouldn't feel bad when your worship is genuine, but it doesn't have somebody else's approval on it. You're not worshiping them. You're not worshiping me. Jesus says, the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The key word there is your. With all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Now, I want you to understand something that's going to look different from people to people because God has put things in your heart that he didn't put in somebody else's heart. So the way that you show God your heart with all your love is going to look different. Where's, where's Missy at? Is Missy here? You up there, Missy? Hey, Missy. I, I, know, I know Missy's calling because she shared it. Her, God has burdened her heart for the mission field. And she loves missions. And whenever there's a missionary that comes and, and, and presents what they're doing, I, I, I always notice Missy's over there just asking a bunch of questions. And it's like, I, I see that burning desire that is in her heart. And so the way that, that, that Missy is going to love the Lord, her God, with all her heart is by fulfilling the call that God has placed in her heart. Now, that doesn't mean that, 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 that missionaries are better than pastors. A few years ago, I, I had, a, I, I have had a, a burning desire for this church. And I told my wife, I'm like, man, I think God is calling me to pastor. And she was like, ah. <laughs> I was like that too, you know, but, 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 you know, but Missy's calling, for example, 
as, as going to be different than mine. And the way that she shows service to God is going to look different than mine. It's not that being a pastor is better or cooler. It's not that being a missionary means she's more hardcore. It just means that, that, that God has placed different desires in the hearts of people so that the whole world could be reached. Pastors can't reach everybody. Missionaries can't reach everybody. Church ministers can't reach any, everybody because the church, because, because the world doesn't always come into the church. Worship God the way that, that he has called you to worship him. Stop trying to change things. <clears throat> where am I at? I don't even know where I'm at this morning. See, what happens when you do YOLO. <laughs> When we compare our worship, when we compare our worship to someone else, I want you to understand this. We're telling, we're telling God that the way that he made us is not good enough for us to give ourselves back to him. And I'm going to have the worship team come up. We, we have this tendency, church, to, to, to just want to become what we're not. The grass is always going to be greener on the other side. And, and the only reason that's true is because you're not even looking at the grass in your lot, your, your, your yard. <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking at what you don't have. And we, all, we have this tendency to want to become what we don't, what we're not. And so, so if God made you the foot, you're going to find something wrong with the foot. You're going to say, man, God, the foot is it's just, it's the closest thing to the ground. It's, it's always tired because all it does is walk. And I just feel like I'm always tired, God. I feel like I'm always carrying the weight. Of everybody else. I don't want to be the foot. I don't want to be the foot anymore. Make me the hand. And the hand is saying, man, God, all I do is serve. All I do is give and give and give. And when somebody asks, I'm there with my hand and my hands are bruised and they're bleeding and they're callous because of I just spent all my life giving. I don't want to be the hand anymore. I want to be the mouth. And the mouth is saying, man, God, sometimes I don't know what to say. Sometimes people come to me and, and they're looking for counsel and they're looking for pastoral wisdom and I don't know what to tell them. People expect me to preach and, and teach week after week and I, sometimes I'm just, I don't have anything to say. Can I tell you something? Let me be real. Let me be real for a second. Sometimes I dream. I dream of the day where I'm not a pastor anymore. Real, just real talk, real talk. I'm not going anywhere. But sometimes I'm like, God, man, one day I won't have to worry about the condition of my ministry. I won't have to worry about all the administrative stuff. I won't have to worry, make sure the offering's good. We can, we can pay our bills. I won't have to worry about the finances. I won't have to worry uh, about, you know, equipping our leadership with everything that they need to equip, you know, the people that they serve. I don't, I don't have to worry about coming up with a message week after week. It's, it, I, I don't have to worry about being in church on time. Sometimes I can step in a little bit late. Sometimes I, I dream. And I look, at, I look at other ministers. I'm like, man, look at, look at them. Look at, look at the freedom they have. We all have those moments. We all have those moments of envy for the places that God didn't call us to.
We all have those moments of envy for the things that God didn't equip us with. But God didn't tell them. God didn't call you. This is the very first thing that I, t- that I said to the church when, when y'all voted me in as a pastor. I said, I said, God didn't call me to be another version of Pastor Juan Cantu. Because God doesn't, God doesn't call replicas. He gave you your own DNA. He gave you your own identity. Don't be another someone else. Be the first of you. And and, and maybe maybe you still haven't figured that out yet. Maybe you're still figuring out how, how how do I give my best to God? And I believe that the thing that you haven't done yet is simply offer all of you to God. And I want to challenge you with that today. Give everything that you are to God. John 4, 23, in that same text where Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman, he ends it, he says, God is seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. Isn't it sad that God has to seek it? Think about that. Isn't it sad that God has to look for it? Because there's not just abundant of people ready and willing to say, God, use me as I am. God has to, he has to search for it. He says, I am searching for people I am seeking those who would worship in spirit and in truth. He's looking for real worshipers. He's looking for people who aren't ashamed of the way that God made them. He's looking for people who, if they want to dance in the presence of God, will dance in the presence of God unashamedly. He's looking for people who say, you know what, I I know that evangelists don't really make money and it's probably not the wisest career choice and my parents don't want me to do it and my friends think I'm an idiot for wanting to do it, but if God is calling me to it, I have to do it. That is what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. He's looking for true worshipers. Stop being fake. Stop being fake. There's too many fake Christians in the church. Too many fake Christians. We can't talk about real issues because it it doesn't belong in the church. We We think the church is a place of perfection. It is a place of brokenness. Stop being fake. Worship God with who you are. And maybe you're saying this morning, Pastor Ryan, you don't understand who I am is a mess. Give it to God. Give yourself to God and look at what he will do. If you desire to be a true worshiper of God, you have to be who God has called you to be and not try to give God a worship that is simply a replica of somebody else. Look, if if you don't get anything else from this message, I just maybe weren't paying attention. I want you to get this. There will always be shortcomings in your worship as long as you allow others to occupy the space in between you and God. Always, always, always. You will never give God 100% as long as you have people in the way because you're making them your priority. Understand this, ministry 
is to people. We have to be conscious of the people that we're ministering to. Worship is to the Lord. Worship is to the Lord. Give God your worship. Give God your worship. Are you ready to give God your worship this morning? Come on, stand up. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.